When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, dude? Yo, we have a new set. We do. This took a minute to get working. It did. I'm I'm first irritated podcast. We'll see how I do. So zoom out, everybody. This is the set. Yes, there is glare on the photos, but as you'll notice, we changed what you didn't like. <laughs> we listened. We also, had... <laughs> let us know what you think because we didn't set this up and uh, there's a prize for the person who did. There's a prize in the running. So we would love genuine feedback if this is good, if it yeah. still needs work, the lights, the photos everything there will be more work we're going to try to get some of the glare reduced and all that kind of stuff but let us know let us know what you think and so, if you're listening and not watching <laughs> let's get into the podcast the beginning <laughs> of the cast so do you want to go i got some stuff man go for it i'm coming in week this podcast i got you covered cool so i've started reading a book that was recommended by dj dj works with us he's a coach for charisma university yep. he at least four times when we've talked to him he's like you got to read cubit's poison arrow you got to yeah, read yeah, it yeah. <laughs> and finally i did uh, so it's called Cupid's, Cupid's Poison, Poison Arrow. Arrow. And I'm 20% of the way in, and it's a book that is about Carezza. And Carezza is apparently, it's an older practice of one, abstaining from orgasm for both men and women, mm. and then two, of practicing, uh, I guess, of still engaging in intercourse, but slowing it down to the degree that you don't orgasm. Mm. And it. No masturbation either. I suppose you could, but you are not allowed to orgasm. You can you can you can just not orgasm. And the argument which it is made, I haven't gotten to the science part because it's written by uh, I believe a husband and wife duo. Her half of the book is more anecdotal storytelling, and she says he's like the neuroscientist guy, and his half of the book is going to be that kind of stuff. I believe, mm. uh, and it's interesting. So it's classic one of those books that says all of the world's ails can be six you know what i mean it's like (laughs) this is this is the solution it's very passionate about and i saw a relationship problem and everything was good and then they had ejaculatory sex and then everything was bad so there's a lot of anecdotes like that i think it probably oversteps but it's an interesting idea and it it says that it starts from the presupposition that humans are not built to be long-term monogamous that the honeymoon phase, which you've experienced, I've experienced, which can last anywhere from six months to 18 months plus, mm-hmm. is hardwired in and it is timed according to some of the first orgasms that you experience with a person and, mm-hmm. of course, prolonged contact. And that is intended from this person's argument to make you seek a new mate so as ha- so as to diversify the gene pool that you would be creating with your 
future so her argument spouses. is you stick around for 18 months because that's enough for the child to be born and, and for you, you to fall, bond with the child and to care for the child and then you fall out of the honeymoon phase because mm -hmm. now it's time for you to go reproduce with someone else yes that's how she thinks we're wired yes okay and she makes no distinction so far between men and women which i think is one potential problem from an evo psych idea because i've been pretty well convinced that men and women have different uh sexual strategies when it comes to evo psychology but we can leave that for now sure so that's Stands the, for evolutionary psychology yeah for sorry don't sorry know. <laughs> and it's interesting in that it talks about how this basically gets in the middle of that process and so you don't ever have the orgasm and you stay in this lovey dove lovebird state forever while still being intimate with one another because you are having intercourse mm. and uh i'm gonna give it a try I'm going to give it a try for three weeks. Isn't it too late for you, though? Because you've already ejaculated with your girlfriend. So it says ideally you would start from scratch. but So have you told your girlfriend you guys got to break up so you can start with someone else? <laughs> it's over. Sorry, I read a book. <laughs> the book says uh, you just aren't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Honeymoon's over. So it says three weeks and it, it's a two-week time span for you to reset and then that last week for you to see and of course it has all these claims for you're going to be more vibrant you're going to be more creative you're going to be more in love you're going to be kinder to everyone in the world and so, just to be clear we'll see no orgasms ever for you for the next three weeks ever for the next three no weeks. masturbating either. ever for the next well three i look weeks. forward to seeing you go crazy <laughs> this will be great We'll Can see. I say one thing that's interesting? Because it could be a reason why relationship dynamics change. Mm -hmm. Your testosterone, if you don't orgasm, rises for seven days and then plummets. Mm -hmm. So by the end of 21 days of not orgasming, your testosterone will be markedly lower, according to the science that I looked into. Mm -hmm. So maybe that has a part to play. Mm -hmm. I, I have no idea the complex hormonal interaction. One thing that I know for certain is that for much of history and even today people manage their mood by timing orgasm so you know the seven day thing because that's often what fighters try to maximize mm -hmm. for so they wait seven days prior to a fight <laughs> they do it their last and time then no sex. and then they abstain now yep. some guys don't do this but the real optimizers they control and other guys are like no i go in two on edge <laughs> you know two hours before a fight mm -hmm. they have a girlfriend or whatever they have sex and then they go in there and they manage their mood that way but what i think is undeniably true is that it is a powerful lever for controlling your emotions your mood etc sure so i'm not certain that the right answer is to abstain and never do it but i I believe that it's okay. We'll see. Like when I turn the steering wheel, this car is going to go, it's going to go yeah, hard yeah. left. I did this experiment. I don't know if you remember. I oh, did really? this experiment when I was like 26, 27. Yeah. Okay. I found it to be total hogwash. So okay. I'm very curious to see what you think. I think it's a lot like nutrition in that your mileage may vary based on your own sure. backup. Not but, to discourage you. I'm, I'm no, no. genuinely curious to see. I don't expect my hypothesis is that I will not notice a dramatic change, but I want to give it a shot, given that it's three weeks. I think you'll and it notice. Is a powerful I think you'll notice a dramatic change. <laughs> I think everyone's going to look prettier to you in about two weeks when you haven't had an orgasm. We'll see, but it does say that the uh, the reason they say three weeks is because it's an uphill battle for the first two weeks, and then you start to see the benefits. And so it says the last week is where you're actually going to feel happy of yourself. I can't wait. To everyone <laughs> tune in three weeks from now. Yeah, It'll be a great report. Yeah. So. We'll find out. Tune in. What are the odds you make Christmas it three time. weeks? What are the odds that you just blow it? 50-50, <laughs> I would say.
realistically. Uh, having announced this pulls us to 50-50. Prior yeah. to, <laughs> it, was, it was unlikely. Three days from now, it's just like, <laughs> oh, my bad, guys. <laughs> so we'll see. And if it does... Uh, you can't even toe the line, dude. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I'm just saying, you edged too close. You were going to blow 20 yes, days of work. Yes, you can make mistakes. Is, is You got to be careful. Yeah. Uh, so that's the, but that, that was related to the other thing that I did this week, which I told you yesterday, I mentioned, I was hanging out, don't know how it came up, but I thought, I saw a video about TikTok Mm. and it once scared me because it made me, holy cow, TikTok is this booming thing and I know nothing about it. So I was like, I'm going to download TikTok, downloaded it. And it was fascinating because I have been trying to pay closer awareness to my body closer attention to my body and as i was on tiktok i noticed my heart rate elevated i got more uncomfortable and i started to stress out why uncomfortable download tiktok <laughs> okay it is it is like speed it's instagram and facebook to the next level everything auto loads all right so one of the things that has made tiktok popular at least according to this video is that the algorithm the ai that they have it auto feeds you suggestions so like your input in, into it is actually just how long you watch a video and you can of course search and you can find things that way but the way that the app is most often used is it just keeps giving you that hit over and over and however long you hit that hit and it's only 15 second videos right so it's shorter faster dopamine loops and there's a lot going on on screen in terms of what you can like in the hashtags in the bottom corner and it's constant within these 15 second videos there's millions of cuts because what can you do in 15 seconds you can't tell a story and does it burn you out quickly though because i can sit and watch a 20 minute youtube video but it, i feel like if it were 15 second intervals after five minutes you'd just be like well that was 30 videos i'm burned out i i would burn out and yeah. this is what i realized it would only be 20 that was bad mental math <laughs> i would burn out and I, and my first thought was oh god this is so bad this technology is radically different than everything that is already out there i need to not participate in this and then i realized were i 15 years younger this would be the level of stimulation I was accustomed to. Mm-hmm. And this would be the level of, I could absorb this like I currently can absorb a Facebook feed or an Instagram feed. Mm-hmm. But if I were 60 and you know I see my grandparents on a computer, they're like, oh, this is, <laughs> they can't handle it, <laughs> yeah. right? And it just made me realize there's this arms race of stimulation attention. And the human biology is designed in such a way that it responds to fast stimulus. So... 50, 60, 70 years ago, TV comes out. It's like, whoa, there's this amazing thing to do. It's got three channels. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like it was, it was completely it's captivating. It's crushing it compared to a book. Exactly. And then, you know, hundreds of channels, so much happening. And then the internet comes and there's these YouTube videos and they're so quick. And then Vine, it's six seconds. And it's just gotten shorter and shorter and shorter dopamine loops to the point where I haven't really taken stock to measure how overstimulated my nervous system is. Mm. And it only occurred to me when I went on to TikTok, which was a level up from what I'm used to, that I'm probably running around with an insane amount of stress for an average human that could have lived 100 years ago. Mm. Like my my neurophysiology is just constantly on edge. And it made me uh, decide to do a dopamine diet, which I kind of mentioned to you. Oh, all right. So define it. So this is the one reason that I was going to do the Carezza stuff because that's a dopamine loop. But I I've started writing down all the places that I go compulsively for mm. that dopamine hit. And for those of you who don't know, I think most people know this isn't 
completely novel. Well, it's not novel at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing I'm saying <laughs> nothing is I'm saying my is, own idea. It's groundbreaking. Uh, you have a number of major chemicals in your brain. There's the big four, dopamine, serotonin, endorphin, and oxytocin. Dopamine is the reward system. So it's the one that gamblers get. It's the one that you get when the person that you like texts you back. And it's what all of these major companies exploit with the pop-ups on your phone because mm. you, you want that next dopamine hit of the like or whatever it is. And it, it motivates you towards goals, but it can be exploited to create addictive patterns of behavior. Mm. Uh, so I wrote down all the places that I notice myself go when I sit still, where do I go? Mm. And, and the list is, is long. So, you know, it's the Reddit. It's, it's, of course, all the things that I've already mostly cut out, which is the Facebook, Instagrams, Twitters, whatever. But a big one for me is business analytics. Mm. So, like, how did this podcast do? Let me check that 50 times a day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many sales have we made? So I've listed all that. And then I said, I can't do those. And then this morning, what happened was I just, I went to like buy new credit cards. <laughs> I started playing the points game. I was like, oh, I need a new credit card that has a points bonus when you sign up. And I've been trying to remain aware of all of these places. It's incredible, man. Yeah. I have a hard dopamine addiction. Yeah, I've seen that with, and I feel like it's a little bit like the addiction ladder we talk about. It's yeah. Like, yeah, listen, you, you might be codependent and addicted to your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's better than a heroin addiction. And so there's there's layers to this, right? So I recently, like I said, I got rid of Reddit and uh, Instagram. And I've realized that now if I don't have anything to do, I check my business email. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's where I go. Me too. Because it's still easier to go, oh, I'll solve a business problem. I look for anything that's quick. A five, if it's long, I'll go save that for the laptop. <laughs> Can I do it in five minutes? Great. Because then I get to feel like I did something. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm noticing that as well, that it kind of ratchets down. Yeah. So if you look and you time me, it would be generous to say that my dopamine addiction demands a hit every 60 seconds. That would be generous. To check your phone? To check my phone, look at a stat, interact with someone. I mean, really, how many people can sit still for 60 seconds? Mm -hmm. uh, most people can't do that 10, 10 minutes of meditation. It, I, I get bored is the word that they use to describe the stress that they feel inside when they don't have stimulus. Mm -hmm. And I realize I'm a hardcore dopamine addict. I'm jonesing. And it makes me so easy to exploit when it comes to spending time on things that don't contribute to my happiness but feed my addiction. Hmm. Uh, so I'm trying to cut back on that. I recognize that like every diet, I'm still going to be having dopamine experiences. But I'm going to try to control those and make them related to reading, interacting with friends and family. Uh, playing with my dog, taking so a walk. If I know. open your phone, am I going to just see five apps now? Everything else is gone? Uh, no. So, so for me, the big problem is the computer. And I have to come up with, and this is a great question because my willpower alone is not going to stop this. Yeah, this is James. Uh, James Clear is a friend of ours and I love his stuff. And he is constantly telling people you don't accomplish change with willpower. He's all about habits and especially fitness stuff. So he talks about if you want to go for a run, the number one thing you can do is put your shoes by your bed. You know, there's like these little things. You want to drink more water. The number one thing you can do is have water in front of your face. Yeah. So, yeah, for you, it's the question is what what environmental changes can you make? Yeah. Because just deciding not to check your phone is the hardest way to go about it. So what I've done is I just put my phone on a different counter. Mm. and i don't leave my bed <laughs> <laughs> it is hilarious I, it is funny because we've been working together for a long time and we both work from home 
I have this standing desk, this hilarious setup with an ergonomic keyboard that's angled, and then I come into your room and you lay in your bed just typing like I'm this. I'm the hunchback of Notre you're, Dame. You're the, you're the genius <laughs> savant for sure of the two of us. Uh, so I appreciate that, but uh, I don't know that that contributes to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like how Einstein couldn't tie his shoes. That's you. So I, I am trying to, to cut all of these things out. The phone for me is a partial issue, but what it is is that there's these places that are dual purpose. I can be doing things that I approve of on my computer, but it's also very easy for me yeah. to slip into the other things. And so I'm, I'm downloading blockers and those sorts of things and stay focused, which is an app that allows you to set time limits, which I'm just going to set at zero because mm -hmm. then I notice at midnight when it resets and I'm awake, I'm like, quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, zero versus one is massive. Yeah. Zero versus one is massive. So, and I'm going to try to do it along. I'm going to throw everything at it, but uh, in the similar three week span yeah. and I'm not going to be perfect, but you just mentioned our friend got back from a five day silent meditation retreat, had great things to say about it, right? He loved it. He loved it. He said it was euphoric. I think I would love it too, and I and I think it's amazing, and I and I want to do it. But I I often see the problem with the programs that you've gone to, I've gone to, that he's gone to, is that integrating what is so possible in that new environment back into your life with all of the other temptations, you have a drop off of ninety five plus percent of what you originally had when you mm -hmm. come back to your real life. And so I'm going to start in my real life, and I am going to. I'm totally down to do that that retreat, but that's my goal is to not just have a euphoric experience, which I've had at some of these different types of programs, psychedelic yeah. and otherwise. No, I think the phone thing's a good idea. I don't know how to do it on your computer, but I, I think what's in front of your face is the biggest contributor to what you do or don't do. So again, shout out James Clear. He says, if you are trying to stop eating junk food, just put it in your garage and you mm -hmm. can still get it. You're still allowed to have it. But instead of going to the fridge and opening the fridge and getting it, you have to go out into your garage. And he recommends a high shelf where you have to get. Yeah. And he's like, you'll just stop because you don't want it that badly. Mm -hmm. For me, I've noticed uh, with the dating apps, I, used, I was like super obsessed with dating at one point. I didn't even delete them. I just put them into a folder in a place where it's kind of hard to get to and I don't see them. And I'll, I'll just forget for like two weeks to, to even try to set up a date yeah. because it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. So yeah, there's there's these little ways that you can help yourself. So this is the tricky thing is that solving any particular dopamine addiction for me is quite easy. And you just do that. You delete the app, you do this. Addressing the dopamine cycle as a whole is incredibly hard. Yeah, but you can scale it back. I mean, TikTok versus Instagram versus a nature documentary. You're all they're all visual stimulus, yes. but there's a level. Yes. There's levels to this game. Well, of course. And, and what I'm finding is I, I'll fill it with anything. I told you. <laughs> I'll go to the email again. I'll, I'll I'll do work email. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll get yeah. consumed with work all As your business partner, I'm okay with this. <laughs> I I started getting new credit cards. Uh, less I was, okay with this. I was just researching. I need this. You know, I, I all of a sudden need these 50,000 points, yeah. <laughs> which is a terrible use of time. And it's going to be tricky. But it's also incredible how much time there is in a day when you do not feed these cycles you find mm. yourself sitting there praying for tiredness <laughs> you're just like now you go to the bathroom in two minutes instead of sitting down please. to take a poop and 20 yeah. minutes later going oh my god what did i just do on my phone yeah i i just I wait for night and i'm like can i please be tired so i can get to tomorrow because it's so hard but i do believe that these cycles will end hopefully within that two week span i think is around the dopamine yeah uh, reset phase say. Does this mean no video games? Because that's a pretty big dopamine hit. No, I think I am going to allow it. And I recognize that that will probably be a huge fallback on this dopamine cycle. But, and maybe one day I'll go full Vipassana monk, 
10 days silence nothing uh but what if it was like the orgasm thing you're allowed to play but you're not allowed to win you <laughs> you're have not to allowed lose. to get that loop <laughs> you have to lose i bet you'd stop playing i'm gonna assess each game that i play and see what kind of role it plays in my life with regards to addiction right now there's none that i'm hyper addicted to that's mm. been different in the past than i've mentioned on the podcast but the ones that i play right now like super smash bros i'll play for a half an hour with my brother online and then stop quite comfortably what are the good things in your life that are not dopamine addiction there's so many but i never do any of them this is the problem is what the, are they? Yeah. the best things i wrote them all down the best things don't call to me i don't ever want to do them so let's see these are just some of the ones that i'd written exercise i'm allowed to do that hmm. reading i put an asterisk on this one video games <laughs> Questionable. Uh, walks in the sun playing guitar singing piano escape rooms foam rolling stretching free writing sleeping breath work friends calling and i don't want this one to become my new dopamine thing oh i'm bored i'll call a friend but calling old friends is is another thing that i'm allowed to do so we shall see it's going to be an interesting little thing but i it, it's contributing to my hypothesis which is coming from a number of different books that one of the big big issues is that we've all grown accustomed to having a hyper overstimulated nervous system such that when we go to vipassana retreats or and come back it's like what is this world that I've stepped hmm. into? This is insanity, but it's just normal. Uh, and every generation, honestly, it's getting worse. I look at, I told you, I watched some of this kid's content on YouTube last week. I look at TikTok. Kids don't stand a chance against the gamification of their attention mm -hmm. as, as conducted by these big tech companies. It really makes... Well, some and some <laughs> companies do use it for good, I would say. Like sure. the, the Peloton bike gamifying workouts i think that's an mm -hmm. awesome use of that because it takes something that's good for you that most people don't want to do and it mixes in dopamine hits it makes you want to get on the peloton and get the high score and do this and that and you also can't bike forever because your body will just stop so yeah, you yeah, can yeah. only peloton for like an hour mm -hmm. so there are there are companies using these weaknesses of the of human psyche to hack you into totally bettering yourself they're just we hope to do that that's what we between. hope to yeah. do with our channel is is to capture attention directed towards something that, that yeah, use make quick cuts and visuals yeah. of cool things from movies to to make people's lives better yeah so there it's not all bad i guess but. so here's what's becoming increasingly hard and maybe i'm just an old man now and i don't see that everything's going to be okay but when i'm on tiktok i even went to gary v because i knew he'd be there and i knew that he'd be talking about business content i was like what's popular from gary v and there are these mindless videos, man. Mm -hmm. They're mindless. I, I believe that Gary Vee has good advice to give. If you yep. watch his hour-long interviews on the Gary Vee show, some of them are quite good. The clips that are most popular are mindless. Like what, just work harder, hustle He's more? He's sitting on a plane going, what's the Snapchat filter for baby? Get me that baby filter. And every word he says pops up in real time. Get me that baby filter. Uh, like, what's Interesting. So he's, he's actually not even teaching people on TikTok. I mean, he's some just building of his, an audience. There's one where he's, he, he goes, you, you, you just got to stick to it. And I think this is the right advice for a lot of 20-year-olds. You got to be patient, man. You got to do this. You got to stick. But it's like he's, he's saying be patient on a platform that has a cut the conversation is ripped in half seven times. Yeah, it's yeah. like the medium becomes the message sure. at that point. You can't tell someone to be patient on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. You need to tell them to be patient at a retreat or something like that. So I wonder, the uh, without changing, and I know that Instagram opened up videos another minute, maybe attention spans on that will open up, or maybe it'll just disappear. I, I don't know how many positive things you can add to someone's life other than a chuckle 
in 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. I, I really think the answer is few and far between, especially when it's just on top of something else. Sure. So I'm uh, I'm anti, I'm negative, I'm a curmudgeonly old man at yeah. this point. Listen, I have good news for you though, because you said you're not sure if you're just an old man yeah. who thinks that everything's <laughs> going to hell. I did ketamine yesterday and my lesson was it's all gonna be okay. <laughs> so don't worry, bud, okay? This How was is, it? This too shall pass. It was great, Yeah. it was awesome. I, I think for the first time in my whole life, I got over my fear of death. So that was pretty dope. Really? Yeah. Pretty crazy. I know me and you have very different experiences with Mind Bloom. It's been very, very good for me. So tell me about that. So, I mean, the big thing was just it's all going to be okay. I have this, these anxieties that I think most people share. Fear of dying, fear of going broke, things like that, right? And well, let me, let me even just pause you for one second. I think... Most people wouldn't necessarily identify as having a fear of dying. Oh, neither did I. But if you trace them all the way back, it's like, well, why don't I want to go broke? Why don't I? And then yeah. it's like, I don't want to die. <laughs> oh, for, no, same. So just to be yeah. clear, five years ago, I would have said I have no anxieties. Mm -hmm. And now what I realize, I think, I think there's, a, there's only three core negative emotions. There's, there's anxiety, there's anger, and there's sadness. And I think everything else kind of gets mixed in with that, right? Guilt is some combination of those. And uh, so I think a lot of times perfectionism is great in some regards it's helped me build a great external life but what it is is masked anxiety because mm -hmm. you're anxious that you won't be perfect you know what i'm saying a lot of virtues a lot of negative emotions they all come down to these three so People i say often I, hold on to their their negative emotions because they propel them to do things in i would have i used to say yeah. yeah if i weren't if i didn't think that i had to be the best possible at something in order to love myself i'd have a mediocre life that was mm -hmm. my motto right it's mm -hmm. like well of course I, the fact that I demand the best of myself, I demand that I be best in class at everything I do, creates a great life. And it's like, yeah, it does. Comes at a cost. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, there's some psychic stuff there. And also, I think it was cool for my 20s, great for my 20s. Happy to let go of it now that I'm 32, though. So yeah. I think it's, it was good for a phase. But yeah, I think when I say anxiety, I think I have the same level that everyone else does. I actually don't think it's a bigger problem for me. I don't have panic attacks. I don't have insomnia. Mm -hmm. But still, you know, it. It's not something that I need to hold on to. So I was doing this mind bloom ketamine psychedelic experience. And uh, what I realized is it's when we were wanting to start our business, I was leaving a great job in private equity to move to Brazil with a business that was going to make no money. And people asked, how could you possibly do that? Aren't you scared? And I said, no, because we did Practical Pessimism by Tim Ferriss, where I thought about the worst case scenario in concrete detail, right? Realized I was going to be okay. Worst case scenario, bartend, masseuse. I wasn't going to starve to death. I don't do that in every other area of my life. You know what I mean? So, for example, I just got a puppy. She's six months old now. And I wish I could surf more. But I get very nervous to leave her in the crate for too long because she might have an accident. Mm -hmm. and you're on ketamine. Your mind's in a different place. But I realized, <laughs> like, that's your fear? You won't let yourself do this thing that you love so much? Because if you're back in two hours, she's fine. But if you're back in three hours, she might pee. She's a dog, dude. She doesn't care if she has pee on her. I'll come back to her smiling and wagging her tail with pee on her face. Yeah. And then I'll bathe her and I'll clean it up and it'll be fine. And, and by the way, pee. by the way, she's exactly. Not gonna by pee. the way, she's never had an accident in her crate. <laughs> so this this fear I have has not ever happened. And yeah. so I was just going through every little thing that triggers anxiety in my brain. Running out of money, dog going to the bathroom while I'm surfing, and uh I realized it's all going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Were and then you steering the end, this? Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, at the end, I was just, for whatever reason, thought about dying, which I, dying still scares me. I don't want to be burned alive or anything. It sounds yeah. painful. But the idea of being dead, it seems, it's like, 
either there's a heaven and you'll be fine or there's nothing and you'll be fine and mm -hmm. it's it's all going to be fine so that was kind of the big takeaway interesting yeah were you steering this experience were you like because it sounds 50 -50. very 50 okay 50 50 i got to take a lighter dose but you and i are on the same dosage yeah and i'm a lot and bigger you than you weigh 50 pounds more than <laughs> yeah. me and i just get one everything is one <laughs> that's yeah. the best way to describe it and you get these very concrete things yeah yeah i said you should i think you should take yeah less. i'm gonna scale back. i think you should do 300 i'm gonna scale back yeah no for me it's 50 50 it's the brain is so creative and different the connections it makes are different on this so to some extent my mind feels like it's making the leaps on its own but then other times i'm sitting there i'm like what do i want to think about while i'm doing this what do i want to focus on or problem solve I actually realized I'm not going to, but you could easily microdose this and problem solve creatively on anything on business or whatever. Mm -hmm. It makes my brain think in a very different way from what it does all the other times that like I'm awake. It, so. To a degree, it, it removes fear mm -hmm. to a degree. And and what you're left with is what you would have thought of if you're not yeah. afraid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's uh, it's a great segue. I wanted to talk to you. There was I'm going to send this in a quote because we're actually going to start sending these emails, but I've, I came across a video on Charles Bukowski, who yeah. is an author who you might not know, but he's got, let me read this quote to you. What's he famous for? What did he write? You've, you wouldn't heard of it. I actually read one of his books called Post Office. He's got Ham on Rye. He was a, a really interesting guy. I'll tell you a little bit about him. He was abused as a kid and his whole life, like pretty bad. So his whole life is, is a reaction to that sure. he's a heavy alcoholic he worked at the post office for many years he's a really smart guy he was writing while he was at the post office for these 20 years and wrote hundreds of short stories but never broke through until age 50 mm. so like 50 years of hard living and he made me think of you when i read his book because he's at the post office and he constantly just doesn't show up for work mm -hmm. tells the supervisor to go f off and they write him a slip and he goes he takes it in the pocket in front of the supervisor he throws it away he just doesn't care <laughs> and i was like this is such a refreshing character to connect with mm. because we care so much yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he just what are you gonna do you know he's already at the post office he doesn't want to be there the yeah. people that he works with are pains uh, but he's got a quote. I won't read you the whole thing. If you want the whole quote, join our email list on our website. But he talks about not trying on his tombstone. And I learned this from the video. It's the epitaph is don't try. And then I found this quote from him where he talks about writing and he says, whatever it is for you is already there. Just get out of the way. And if it's not there, wait for it to show up. Don't try. Don't work. It's there. And I thought that was really interesting because this guy just wrote and wrote and wrote. And I, when I was comparing Sorry, myself to him. he's saying he tried too hard? No, he's saying he couldn't not write. He wasn't trying to get famous. He mm. couldn't not write. And of course, he, you know, he, he brought his stuff to publishers and tried. But writing for him was his vocation in the sense that it was just like he knew that that's what he was there to do. It came through him. Mm. And I experienced that earlier in my life. I mean, I wrote with no audience. I had hundreds of pieces, and I don't anymore. Mm. Everything that I create is to be published. And it. I had to slow down and be like, I lost my vocation in a desire to be successful. Mm. And, and quite frankly, frankly, as a reaction to the success that we've had, the writing, the videos became for other people mm -hmm. as opposed to a pure expression of whatever it is that I was thinking, feeling, or, or doing at the time. And I want to get back to that. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I want to get back to things coming through me. And of course, this is a really nice way to have the spontaneity while sharing with an audience this podcast. But uh, 
I realized that I have let, yeah, our success get in the way of, of vocation. And ultimately, I think what makes me the happiest is a combination of the two. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, well, it depends what your goal is, right? Because yeah. certainly I've never heard of this guy. He's mm -hmm. not the most successful author. His stuff wasn't read by the most people. So mm -hmm. it depends what your goal is. And perhaps if your goal is to be happy, he's even less happy than someone who never even published their writing. Mm -hmm. So I would not say it's a bad quote. Yeah. I would just question, what's your North Star? You know? Because yeah. this guy could have ended up just being a mailman who never published his stuff. And I don't know that that's what people are solving for necessarily. Yeah, so for him, I, w I wouldn't want to live his life. I mean, like I said, he was abused, was a ridiculous alcoholic. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got, you've heard some of his quotes. I think I think his quote is, that might be Hunter S. Thompson. He's one of those guys that just lived hard. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, he's a hard living dude. And uh, he actually did become, uh, as far as 20th century authors, quite famous for 20th century authors. But uh, I want vocation at this point in my life. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I guess all I would say is something we've said on the podcast before, which is uh, take advice from people who you want to be like and don't mm -hmm. take advice from people who aren't living the life you want, right? So don't take career advice from your boss unless you want to have your boss's job and your boss's life. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is to find your North Star before you do anything. So when you're writing... Do, do you want to write because it's pure joy and you don't care if anyone sees it? Do you want to write because it's joy but make a little bit of money? Do you want to write because your goal is to get the most people to see your writing? That's going to decide your action steps and who you model. Yeah. So that's all I would say about this guy. Totally, totally. And for me, at this point, I am going to try to not make the entirety of my life because so much of my creative output has been, and, and we've talked about how our creative process has shifted from video first what should we call this title mm -hmm. to we literally brainstorm the titles that we're going to do and which can we make a good video for yeah and it makes dude you you have a 3.5 million subscriber youtube channel yeah. and you're successful and you're 32 might make sense for you to follow this guy's advice i'm just saying if i'm watching this and i'm 19 yeah, or yeah, I'm 25 yeah. or i'm 40 and i don't like my job and i haven't started something yet maybe i would follow the advice of someone who i wanted to be like sure that's all i'm saying phases for everything and i don't think there is a right answer uh i, I do think that for many people it's going to be a balancing act of uh, an attention when you're creating any sort of product or art attention towards the audience and other people mm -hmm. in the marketplace and uh, recalling that attention to yourself to be like what am i inspired yeah. to create and some people can be you can be on the too far to either side for your given goal yeah and also you can point. take advice from people for certain areas and not others. Mm -hmm. So Tim Ferriss is the guy I went to for business advice because I liked his results. He said he wasn't working very much. He was incredibly successful. I was like, okay, cool. But that doesn't mean you have to take his dating advice, his fitness advice, his mental health advice mm -hmm. as well. You can just go, Tim Ferriss is going to be the guy I try to model for business. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to be the guy I try to model for fitness. Mm -hmm. And the Dalai Lama will be the guy I try to model for mental health. Mm -hmm. And so you can look for the Dalai Lama's meditation practice. You don't have to go, oh, I want to have, uh, I want to have Logan Paul's body. Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to follow his fitness advice and his meditation advice. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't have to do that. You can actually try to pick different people for different things. Yeah. So yeah, that's I, I, no knock on him or the quote, which I don't even know the full quote until I'll, I'll see your email when it comes out. But just saying for people, that's, that can be good advice for you based on where you are in life. And for them, the best advice might be something else. Sure. Do what speaks to you. This is what calls to me right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to stop trying. <laughs> and I think I suspect. Yeah, and you, I think, want to end up being a 50-year-old alcoholic, you know, and not everyone wants that. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm headed. <laughs> uh, so here's another interesting one. 
YouTube. YouTube. Oh, boy. So, as you see the update to the harassment hate speech yeah, stuff? Yeah, a little bit. Briefly. So, they've they've taken action. They've taken down... Well, hold on. So, start at the beginning for people who don't know. So, what's the new policy? So, YouTube, ever since the Carlos Maza, Steven Crowder thing, has been on the back foot a little bit with regards to harassment because they kind of caught it on both sides. From the people who were in the camp of Carlos Maza, they were saying that Steven Crowder was being... Uh, derogatory towards a protected group, in this case homosexuals, and that he should be completely kicked off the platform, not just demonetized or lower monetization. And the people who were more on the Steven Crowder side said, you need to be able to insult people. Uh, free speech is free speech, and insults fall under free speech. And you should be able to insult people pretty evenly across, you know, whether you're short, tall, dumb, gay, color, whatever. You should be able yeah, to insult... You should be able to insult people... Uh, legally and within this platform even if it's not the nicest thing that your mom would tell you to do mm -hmm. so those were broadly the two camps and youtube didn't please anybody <laughs> originally Sick. but has been trying to i think please more the people who want more protection on youtube so they made a more robust harassment policy and said no one including government officials and famous people is now exempt all from this that was what they stated which we'll come back later Sorry, so you can no longer make tr jokes against Trump? No, they were even saying famous people sh or shouldn't be. I think it was. I think it was. Un it was unclear in the wording, but the way that I understood it was, it was you shouldn't be able to do it about Trump or about these other people. But I also understand that later they said that there's a higher bar for a public official in terms of criticism. But you're not supposed to criticize their look, their race, their uh, their gender, their gender orientation, their sexuality, whatever, the religion. There's a whole bunch of categories that you can look up. And in any event, what has happened is that they've started now taking down videos. So if you know iDubbbz, do you know him? Mm -hmm. He does Content Cop. This is one of the biggest, one of the bigger creators on YouTube. And back in the day of like high drama, he had this Content Cop where he would go and take other massive creators and combo roast them make fair critiques and be just mean like mm -hmm. there's this one guy leafy who he just he he made critiques of why he was doing bad things but also made fun of his chin and how he has his chin and he looks terrible and he was uh very mean and critical in his mm -hmm. commentary they took the video down over 10 million views they did this with another video of somebody who made this critical thing of h3h3 had over a million views uh, and at one scene, it was this very comic, like, it was called The Death of H3H3, and he, like, snuck up on him with a knife. Now, I don't think he really threatened violence or something. Wait, wait, wait. Why did that one I, You'll have to down? watch the video. I don't know. But he, he had these is, weird Wouldn't that mean scenes. that all of H3's videos have to come down? No, 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 no. Aren't all of H3's videos being mean to someone? It's like not just being mean. Logan so it has, to be, it has to be about their look or something. It's weird. And the, the application of it, you're allowed to be mean, but you can't be mean based on these categories. Got it. Well, Switch. but H3's a white heterosexual male but you can't be mean based on these categories meaning if i say that you're dumb i actually looked iq is not <laughs> i think i'm allowed to tease someone for their iq yeah uh, right we really screwed <laughs> that one up I think. that seems like the worst hand if what we're worried about is being dealt an unfair hand right mm -hmm. having to fight uphill because i'm a lesbian woman it's harder for me in the world because there's prejudice i'd much rather be a high iq lesbian woman than a really low IQ anyone. Mm -hmm. So it seems like that's the worst hand to get dealt. But we just don't protect those people at all. So at least not in the current thing, because they're not at least advocating. <laughs> they haven't organized at this point, and they're not advocating. But on the current list, I checked, IQ intelligence is not listed. 
Seems uh, weird. So you are allowed to say you're stupid, you're this, you're that. Hmm. But what you can't say is a racial slur. What you can't say is— Can you be nondescript? Say ugly? I don't. This is where they get it. They get into like look at one point. Is is, is what protected. they're talking? No, it's not. It's not a protected category. But they've started taking things down for being malicious and mean huh. and teasing looks. It's it's this weird thing where if you look at their age is one of the things. Uh. So if you look at how you would actually apply these rules that they have and say, okay, you're not allowed to exclude or say people should be separated based on these following things. I could imagine an ESPN person saying that, you know, Vince Carter's washed up. No, no 42-year-old should be in this league anymore. And it's like, that is age discrimination yeah, <laughs> right yeah. there, right? Like, do we have to take that down now? Yeah. Uh, which which ignores, there's a number of issues. There's one it seemed to indicate that you're not allowed – it was about superiority part of it, which is to say that you can't say that anyone is superior based on any of these categories. And certainly I think that we can agree that with regards to age, depending on your goal, there's going to be areas in which you are superior to someone of a different age on average. Sure, we'll just say athleticism. There's an athletic prime, sure. and it's not 65. I mean we all say that 18-year-olds and 16-year-olds aren't don't have the cognitive capacity to make a decision, right? That is – to put a 25-year-old in a superior position to a 16-year-old when it comes to decision-making. Like voting. Like voting, like whether it's rape or statutory rape, like all of these things we agree upon in, in a lot of ways. We yeah. say the children are cognitively inferior to adults. That's why we get to tell well, them we, what the to do. The government says that. Yes, and we all can reiterate that and could say, could say that in a video. Uh, but age is a protected class, <laughs> and you're not supposed to say that anyone's inferior based on it. And you could, you were saying physicality on the other side of age. You could go, I think that uh, the most 25-year-olds <laughs> are going to be athletically superior than most 80-year-olds. And I think we would all agree with that, but yeah. you can't say it. It's going to be interesting. This is just YouTube, though. Well, sorry, sorry, sorry. You can say that. YouTube's policy is not going to be evenly applied. This is the, this is the biggest problem. Yeah. So Trump is going to roast Bernie Sanders for his age. And Trump gets roasted every night by Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel. None of their videos have been taken down. Uh. There's a video where Stormy Daniels and Jimmy Kimmel get together with the cake and they talk about how small Donald Trump's penis is. Now, is that a protected class? It's weird because it's in gender and it's in the, these things. So maybe not. But I'm sure that you could pull up a, a whole list of things where they make jokes about him being white or whatever. And they've already started taking down videos that berated people maliciously about their look. Right. The, this leafy video being an example of one of them. Trump gets berated for his look all the time by these mainstream personalities. Nothing's going to happen. It's absurd. And this is the kicker. The other thing that they're doing is they're raising up authoritative content. One of the problems is that people were getting into these, New York Times wrote this article, we covered it, these black holes of YouTube where you would watch one video of Ben Shapiro and then you might watch too many videos from Steven Crowder and you could go alt-right at that point. Hmm. Or, the, you know, you could, you could have an opinion that wasn't held by Jimmy Kimmel, <laughs> right? Yeah. God forbid. Now what they're going to do is whether or not the algorithm would have served it to you, whether it's like they're going to make sure that authoritative sources like ABC, CNN, Fox News. How does Charisma you know, on Command get bucketed as it, an authoritative it source? It doesn't. Here's what it is. It, all these mainstream media sources are now going to be pushed down your throat. They already are. If you log into YouTube unsubscribed, the whole homepage is going to be covered in Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, and Stephen ESPN. Colbert, and ESPN. ESPN's hilarious, dude. They need about seven views to be yeah. trending. PewDiePie yeah. needs 100 million, yeah. and he won't get it. And... Uh, and they're going to push these authoritative... Do they get money from those guys? Yeah, of course they do. They get the same ad rev splits. No, sorry. Why do they care? Why does YouTube want to make ABC more popular than... 
H3H3. So we'll have to think about this. Now, the answer, of course, has to be money, but you and I will have to sit down and figure yeah, yeah, out this, how this is my that question. Makes yeah, why them, do yeah. they why do they care about I think there's a greater losing authority. I think it's because there's greater institutional control over Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel cannot get up there and say whatever he wants. Idubs can. <laughs> you know, yeah. I like and if thirty million people watch Idubs and he, he can oh, so say whatever think, he wants. You actually think it's a... Uh, What's the word? You think that it's a genuine desire to protect viewers? I think it's beyond. No, no, no. I think the the systemic control is beyond even what the the thought process is of the people at the top of YouTube, and it's it's a reaction against change. And I would say power on YouTube was becoming disseminated to these people who were one man teams on yeah. occasion that could just completely control Beauty, dialogue. PewDiePie, Brad, and Brad, right? Uh, and that. There was a huge, you know, New York Times wrote a bunch of articles, demonized it, got public, got public opinion against it, right? Joe Rogan is, is he's, he's dark web all of a sudden. Yeah, but <laughs> like, why would YouTube care? Because, okay, so New York Times writes an article. Their fan base gets uproarious. They cause all this stir. Now YouTube gets all this pressure. It gets amplified in the New York Times. They're just playing it back to them over and over again. And they react to these powerful people in in these positions which would have been a few smaller voices complaining but it was a pet project of the new york times and, and other. Yeah, yeah but i could imagine some ceo or some founders being like oh, i guess it's because they're owned by google because mm -hmm. so if this were a independently owned startup you could yeah, imagine yeah. some founder just going fuck you guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and I, how about this i'm gonna prioritize creators yeah because screw you yeah like there's there doesn't have to be kowtowing to the new york times yes but as things get bigger and they get more inputs from a variety of people they become public entities they are more easily controlled by traditional levers of power mm. and public opinion as uh mobilized by the new york times or whatever i'll just pick your other news outlet it could be it could be any of them yeah uh now has a tremendous influence on the direction that youtube takes interesting so yeah they're going to be raising up authoritative content now who does that appease <laughs> you know what i mean nobody on the platform wants that nobody with a camera and a set in their own house wants that only the people that were writing these terrible articles yeah. are going to find that to be a good thing oh thank god there's going to be more fox news and cnn like that's exactly what yeah, we were yeah. missing you, out i would on. like to go to youtube to escape we got that to stuff. get out of that yeah. yeah and and now it's becoming this thing so I need a little bit more time to digest this and step back and see the bigger picture. And we need to become the authoritative content, dude. But here's the thing. This is, we talked about 1984. You become the man at the end. He's, he is sitting in the cafe. We had, this was a discussion. And whether it's him or a replacement, after they do the whole thing and it's unclear whether or not he died, the narrator at the end of 1984, spoiler alert, is a high up in the party and is sitting in a cafe and is part of the system and this is what happens like what's her name the uh lily singh who is a youtube creator mm -hmm. right now she's got her own tv show with this giant staff and she's owned by these networks and like she's going to participate in all of this mm. in order to get that kind of clout you have to sell the ability to speak freely or even think freely these people actually are i think speaking freely they just can't think <laughs> freely in the first place there was enough organizational uh gate checks to keep anyone with with a really dissenting opinion out of those positions in the first place mm. but if you did watch any of the late night hosts just go off and be like mainstream you know they'd be fired yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're just kowtowing to the advertisers it's a consumer system. yeah they'd be done <laughs> that'd be the end of it so 
I need more time to uh, to really think through all of the implications, but I thought that it was disturbing and fascinating and, and all those sorts of things. Nice. So Sorry about that F-bomb, too. I'm making your life a little harder with the editing. No, man. See, let's just let's just be you, right? Forget being oh, no, don't cut media it. friendly. Just bleep it. <laughs> uh, so I had TikTok. I had the YouTube thing. Bukowski. Oh, I have one other or two other things. Did you have stuff that you wanted to bring up or did you just come in literally empty? I got some. Listen, <laughs> I was scrounging. I'll be honest. I actually checked the news multiple days in a row and I saw a lot of the stuff we've already talked about. Yeah. A lot of Trump impeachment, a lot of protests in foreign countries. I was like, man, the news is constantly high stakes, but it's always the same. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a lot of new stuff. The one thing I thought was funny. Actually, there's two things, but um, if Conor McGregor beats Cowboy Cerrone, he gets the next title shot. That's amazing. Which I thought was just a fascinating look into how money runs the world. Yeah. So if people don't know, Conor McGregor went on an incredible run up to beating Jose Aldo. Never seen before. Amazing athlete. He's two and two since. And the guy he's fighting has lost his last two fights. Yeah. So if this weren't Conor McGregor, this would get you the right to fight like two a more top people. 10 fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two more people. And Dana White. No, no one can stop Dana White from doing what he wants. He said, if Connor wins, he gets the next title fight. But that's what the fans want. Yeah, it's just not a sport at that point. Yeah. And so that's the interesting thing. It's like this is it's just becoming closer to WWE than it is to a real sport because you would like to think that the best athlete is the one who gets the chance to fight for the title, mm-hmm. but it's not. So that was my one takeaway. But then after I had that thought, I thought, are sports actually pure? Mm-hmm. because there's been a lot of stuff about the NBA being rigged. And so it's just interesting because we, I think a lot of people, when they hear what I just said three seconds ago, they go, yeah, it's not a sport. Sports are pure. And that's what I think. Sports are the paradigm of pure competition, except for when the Lakers play the Kings in 2002 and <laughs> the refs completely rig it. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting to me, uh, as I get older, you see more and more areas where just money really does sneak in and corrupt everything. Yeah, I think that, you can usually count on that to be the case. It's tough. I mean, how do you stop corruption? Transparency. Have a lot of people with their hand on something so one person can't do it. But when you have it, so it's like... Well, Phil Jackson said, why are the NBA, Why do the NBA refs work for the NBA? Why aren't mm-hmm. they a separate organization where the pay is graded on officiating well mm-hmm. and the NBA doesn't get to pick who refs what games? Yeah. And the, the officials just send them, hey, it's these three. The NBA gets to pick who refs. The, uh, there's some strategy to that you know yeah. what i mean you create a breeding ground for corruption I, I, when you're when you give one person gatekeeping power like yes no power and then you put a huge incentive financial or otherwise on them to come down in a particular direction yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like oh yeah like you want to be the number one ref well maybe maybe the lakers no and <laughs> do what they do it's funny they don't bribe them they don't do anything they they just hold briefings beforehand mm-hmm. so steph curry had never fouled out in an nba game for the entire season that they were uh 73 and 9 and then before game six game five draymond green gets rejected or gets ejected right so he doesn't get to so, play so let's slow down just a minute so this is lakers versus no no lakers kings is just sorry sorry, sorry. this is this golden is state golden versus state Thunder, warriors right? versus the cleveland cavaliers versus the Cavs in the finals okay this is the Cavs. So Warriors, Cleveland Cavaliers, finals. The Warriors go up 3-1. If they win the next game, it's over. That means five finals games. That means five games of revenue generation. And there could be There could be seven. seven. And the seventh is the biggest yeah. generating game. And this is, this is, these are eight-figure games. This, yeah. is, this is $40 million on the line, mm-hmm. right? So Draymond Green does something that he has done multiple times in the past but gets ejected. 
for Draymond game five. is on the winning team at this he's point. On he's on the Warriors. On the Go- I'm slowing yeah. it down. No, no, I respect that. Yeah. <laughs> so he's on the Golden State Warriors. He's gone. So then they lose game five. So they take one of the star players out. So now it's three to two. Mm-hmm. So we had a game six, which is another $40 million of revenue for yeah. everyone involved. Steph Curry is the best player on the team that's winning. He has never fouled out. And they hold a meeting with the refs where they show a bunch of plays and say, hey, we want this called stricter. And it's Steph Curry doing something that every player does. Because there's, if you called every foul in the NBA, you'd never have a play. Yep. That's the tough part about the NBA. And so for the first time in the entire season, Steph Curry fouls out. <laughs> and the last foul is when LeBron James commits a charge on him, which is where LeBron James just runs into him. But they miscall it as a foul on Curry, and Curry fouls out for the first time. So now it's 3-3, and we get our game seven, and the most money possible is made. Yeah. So yeah, I just thought it was fascinating. And then who wins it there? I mean, we don't care. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care, yeah. But I just thought it was fascinating because at first I was disappointed in the UFC because how dare they be like the WWE yeah. instead of like a pure sport. And then I realized there are no pure sports, yeah. or at least the NBA is not pure. I don't know enough about the NFL. You could just create that system is very easy to create where it's yeah a handful of people with a massive financial incentive or at least pressure from somebody who has a massive financial no, the refs incentive. work for the nba yeah yeah and phil jackson said the solution and then he said but they'll never ever do that so i'm not going to talk about it yeah, yeah because that would might have lost some 80 million dollars that year yeah which is not going to do that so yeah so conor mcgregor title shot keep your eye out he has to just beat the uh owen to cowboy cerrone yeah here's a good ethical question for you not totally related, but segue. <laughs> so we had a, a potential sponsor reach out, and I'll say it was Raycon. And I listened to their headphones, and I did not like them. Mm. And this is my personal opinion. I thought that they were not good quality. And I would have loved if they were good quality because we were, were looking for a sponsor. Yep. And so I said, appreciate it. No thanks. Uh, that's all good. And then I'm on YouTube, and everybody's repping Raycons. Mm. And they're talking about how good they are and this, that, and the other thing. And while I think it is entirely possible that some, if not all, of those people just have a different opinion than me, or maybe I got a faulty pair of Raycons, I also think it's entirely possible yeah, that AirPods that at least are better. But some of them that forget are better. Some of them thought that AirPods were better, which, by the way, cost the same amount of money. They're 80 bucks a pop each and took it anyway. Now, we've done sponsorships that have reflected and we're like, oh, man, like we did a GoDaddy one. We had to learn our lesson. We <laughs> yeah. learned our lesson. And so I don't. I don't. We have a new philosophy <laughs> on sponsors. Yeah. And I don't mean to say that anybody is is evil for doing this, but I wanted. Certainly not whoever repped GoDaddy that one time. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It, I'm not saying that, that anybody's evil and I understand. But I, I was wondering, and I guess this would be a better conversation outside of this. Justin, if you want to chime in, I'm super curious. When you see an influencer or reading a sponsorship, what do you think that the ethics of that are? Do you think that it's okay for them to be just an actor who reads a script that they don't agree with? Should they like the product? Like what level of uh, actual personal endorsement does that person need to have to ethically be comfortable repping something? Um, Well, in my head, I think they should believe in the product they're repping. But Mm -hmm. I mean, just when I watch a video and I see an influencer, you know, repping it, whether it's Instagram or YouTube or whatever, I just assume like they got to eat, you know? Mm -hmm. And so do you, from an ethical standpoint, like forgive repping of stuff that somebody's just like, whatever, I don't really like that. Yeah. If a company reached out to me Mm -hmm. and was like, Hey, if you 
you know drop this post or whatever on ig um we'll give you like a couple thousand yeah then i'd be like okay whatever (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) well i think the big thing to me it comes down to what you say and i think that's where us and the sponsors have a, a bit of a lack of overlap that's why we can't work with many people but if somebody if if rubik's cubes which i feel totally neutral on said hey i want you to do a sponsorship for rubik's cubes you don't have to say that you like them you don't have to say that you use them you just have to say what they are yeah i could do that this is a rubik's cube <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a game here's how it works yeah but the thing is when they want you to say that it's amazing that's where the friction comes in because that's not how i feel well even even uh so take these Raycons, which I my my reaction when I listened to them was these are worse than AirPods. They are the same price for a worse product. Now the one thing that I hear people say is, oh, they're flat, and I can listen on my pillow. And I go, fair enough. <laughs> you know, AirPods do stick out a little bit. Uh, that might be a use case for these. And maybe I had bad ones. Maybe these people had a different experience. Maybe I'm just a weird audiophile, which is not the case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a hundred, but there's a lot of reasons. I wasn't neutral. I was like, no, I think there's a better product at this price point. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Apple won't sign up. To sign. Yeah. So I'm curious, do you think if, if some company reached out to you, let's say that there's one that you would absolutely do, which is like, oh my God, I use that product. I like it. I tell my friends all the time. Then there's the middle, which I think you would do, which is like, I don't really feel strongly. And you don't, I'm not trying to catch you here, but I'm just trying to get the sense for people. Let's say it was a product like that you didn't like, that you knew that there was a competitor that you liked more. How would you feel about that? Or somebody, not you doing that, maybe even somebody else, would you hold that against them? Somebody's doing a Qdoba sponsorship, but you know they eat Chipotle every day. Yeah, and they they and they're, that they dislike Chip- Qdoba compared to Chipotle. I personally don't like the breach of integrity, but I think mm-hmm. that if somebody else were to take it, I 100% would not blame them. Got it. So you would understand. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. And that's, I was just curious with some of the reactions on YouTube, and it seems that that's what the audience feels like is, I get it. You're like, you got it. You got to eat. Mm-hmm. And and some of the, the podcasts I've been listening to, literally when they do sponsorship reads, they read. This is a product that does. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. like, and it's, and I don't know the answer. I, I know the answer for uh, for us and myself, but I was I was wondering to the degree to which I should amend or judge or how people perceive these things. For me, it is it it's a recommendation coming from me. Yeah, that's why we have one sponsor. Yeah, <laughs> we say no to everyone else. Yeah. Uh, well, we had a couple, and then we had Simple Habit. And yeah, gone. Simple Habit stopped their uh, their influencer marketing. Yeah, Audible's gonna do the podcast. I can't. We didn't say that. I'm talking to Audible about so doing the podcast. Don't sign up for them <laughs> until they do. No, I like Audible. You can sign up for Audible if you go to audible.com. We're working on charisma. it. <laughs> uh, don't get excited uh, about the rate. It's yeah. not a lot. That's okay. That's okay. But we're in talks. Yeah, so I, I was mostly curious what not you and I, because you and I have spent a lot of time thinking. Of, so when you see it, do you assume that the person who is reading about it is actually into it? Or do no. you, you just... Okay. Never. I never assume they're into it. Okay. Got yeah. it. So you think that this person has, and you know a little bit about the industry. You're like, that person got right. a paycheck. They're not super in it. What if they're really enthusiastic about it? Does that, that'll convince you, I imagine, right? Uh, I guess it depends on the product too. I mean, mm-hmm. Raycon, I know uh, Ray J, right? He's like the one behind yeah. it. And I know that, I mean, I would assume that like, was he the one who did the, the game consoles? No, 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 no. That, no. that was, guy? I think, Soldier Boy. All right, well, <laughs> this the, is not, this is it, not so. a resold Game Boy or whatever. Okay, because I was, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, uh, I don't know. It's like Beats by Dre, you know? It's like, I more think it's like the the name behind the company and whatever. Sure. I just assume the product is like 
you know, mediocre, got like, okay at best compared to the other things. Sure. Okay. We're, we're not saying about Beats by Dre because yeah. I've never used them. I've never used not, them. I don't have an opinion on them. Don't have an opinion. Uh, interesting. That's all. I was curious. I got a random one. Yeah. Do you know Tesla has a dog mode? No. Tesla has a mode. So, you know, you can't leave a dog in the car because yeah. it'll overheat and die. So Tesla has a mode where you can keep the car running since it's not a gas car. It doesn't take a lot of battery. It just keeps the AC going. It's locked and a dog can hang out inside. Mm-hmm. Apparently, someone suggested it on Twitter and Elon saw it. And re- so someone was like, hey, can we get a dog mode for this and that? And he saw it on Twitter in 2018 and said, yeah. And then they came out with it later. So I don't know if it was already in the works. Yeah. But the timing does work out where there's a tweet, Elon's response, and then months later, dog mode comes out. So that was pretty cool if that's how it played out. Dude, Elon Musk is surprisingly easy to get the attention of. Shockingly, considering he runs yeah. a bunch of companies you, and is a billionaire. You tweet at him. Yeah. <laughs> and he, like, he will... Donated trees for Mr. Beast. Yeah. That was on a tweet, right? I'll read it. Yeah. It came on to PewDiePie's show. Like... Yeah, it's cool. I thought that was really cool. Just seeing a random user going, that is a good idea. I want to know how it happens. makes time for, for Twitter. Have you guys heard of Joe Mode? Joe who? Joe Mode on no. Tesla. So this guy named Joe tweeted at Elon Musk saying that he wanted the chime volume to be lower because it's like bothering his kids in the backseat. So they implemented Joe Mode. <laughs> See, that's so cool. I think that's so cool. Yeah, no, I think I think the, the feedback... Hopefully, he's got people helping him read and sort through these ideas, and it's not literally what he does. It's just amazing at all. Yeah. You can't, I don't, you can't reach us like that. Yeah. You know, it's, he's so accessible. No, that's super cool. That, I like that. And, uh, I don't want Twitter, so we're not going to do it, but (laughs) there's, I have one more thing. So I got this Eckhart Tolle course. And by the way, after looking at TikTok, watching Eckhart Tolle, is so hard so boring (laughs) yes it's he's already a slow speaker and it's one shot for an hour and 15 minutes but man coming down from tiktok and that buzz is it's so hard yeah so it's on the course which i got which i was i am open to but i was a little skeptical about was called conscious manifestation oh boy yes and you know so conscious manifestation the funniest time that it ever happened was you were at oh my god i was at a festival i was at a music festival it's called sonic bloom and it's outdoors tense and everybody there is doing drugs and listening to music and this guy i'm friends with goes man i really need some molly i'm gonna manifest it he's like all right yeah cool you could just like ask people (laughs) because everyone has he's like no i'm gonna manifest it and then he did ask someone and they had it. He said, I made the universe do this. <laughs> like, maybe. It seems a little bit like manifesting that the sun will rise in the morning. Yeah. But the course so yeah, is, that's, is that's a little my like that. sentiment. I, I am not trying to diminish it. But when I hear people say the word manifestation, I immediately have an internal eye roll because of how I've heard it used like that. Totally. And some of the examples in here are there's one bad one. I don't know if it's his wife or it's his, his business partner, but she she tells the story of how there was a time in her life she was really low on money and she had to choose between paying to keep her car on the road for life or like food and rent and being certain. And something inside her, people are like, no, go food, go rent. She's like, no, I'm going to do the car. And then a week later, she got a call because it was Christmas time and somebody said, we have a gift for you and she got the gift and it was almost exactly as much money as she spent on her car plus like 50 bucks but like how perfect is that <laughs> and i was like that's <laughs> you think what 
How is that evidence that this intuition was the right thing to do? What a, what a weird survivor bias yeah. of a decision. That's like making a bad bet in poker, winning on the river, and then and then saying that the universe is there for you. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. So especially I, if it encourages <laughs> you to make more bad bets in poker, because that's the thing about poker. Any one hand, two seven off suit can win you the hand. But if you continue to play against the odds, you will lose. That's the thing about math. Yeah. So I, I enjoy the course mostly because it forced me to slow down and listen to this slow talking yeah. man who talks about being. And I like that. But when it gets. And we like it, Eckhart. Yeah, I like Eckhart. And I and I even like, her name is Kim. Uh, I like her as a teacher. But man, the examples that they give. Yeah. It's, I, it's, I am just not there yet of that being an impressive thing that anyone should aspire to. That said, the course is about uh being still and i and i try to be still more and that's a good thing but man this conscious manifestation part of it yeah i really just i'm watching him you can't be serious yeah. that's that's it was exact here's what she says it's exactly the same amount of money plus like an extra fix 50 bucks yeah like, <laughs> <laughs> you can't count yeah yeah if you just yeah if you view the world and you try to and you look for all the ways in which the universe is working for you it is and actually i think that's a wonderful way to live yeah is to is to seek out the things to be grateful for and oh my gosh wasn't that perfect but if you let it inform your decision making in the future if in the next time that you need food you <laughs> yes. buy a purse yes because you're positive that you can manifest the food money that's not a good strategy mm -hmm. that's all we're saying Yes, but in retrospect, to be grateful and go, wow, like things really have worked yeah, out for God, me. Thank God I got to make that bad decision and still eat. Yeah, that was, I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. No, gratitude, good. Yeah. Poor decision making, bad. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's that's all the, the things that I had this week. It was, it was an interesting one. I've been reading a lot and I've had a lot of time because of this little dopamine diet I've been trying to do. Nice. Anything else from you? No, no, let's go on. I got some stuff, but they're not good. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. What do we have this week? First thing I got is a kid from a Ugandan refugee camp saw a computer for the first time at the camp and decided he wanted to make video games. So his mom spends three years like saving up money, buys him a $300 laptop. He walks three hours to a generator both ways, um, teaches himself to code off like a, a USB like flash drive tutorial. Wow. Um, his friend gifts him Grand Theft Auto. Um, and at this point, he admitted he thought video games like were not created by man he thought they were created by like the heavens because like, they that's like they, his quote. they drop them out of the sky i guess like... i don't know he just said they he thought they were from heaven i don't think he was talking like metaphorically either like oh, it makes so sense fun. there's that quote which any technology sufficiently advanced appears as magic yeah right and it's this video game is in this crowded city of where you're driving cars he's like this is so fantastic yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the premise of this game is absurd <laughs> yeah and so he you know, learned and then he coded his first game, which is about, funnily enough, like the opposite of GTA. It's about like running from violence and being like a refugee wow. and like gathering supplies and resources and surviving. Uh, won a bunch of awards and now he's just like rolling with it. That's incredible. I. It's incredible that he was able to do so much with so little resources. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm always interested in that. How do we get that kind of return on yeah. investment? Like, here's a kid that needed nothing <laughs> just yeah. a just a shot of at a shot yeah the ability to walk three hours to teach himself to code to come back and like yeah how, how do you do... how do you arm kids with that level of 
resource the ones the ones that are so close they've got everything in terms of breaking out breaking through creating a better life and need the mildest of facilitation or encouragement how do you get that there i don't know how to find the thems of the world but man that's incredible yeah yeah. i'm always just impressed because i don't know how to code video games and i didn't have to walk to a generator yeah you know what i mean i just didn't put the time in to learn that skill so i'm always amazed when people overcome so much to become talented at something that's super cool by the way we crossed three hundred thousand with yeah. our charity water thing Hooray. thank you guys to everyone who who donated i was especially happy because we didn't hit it we were at 296 and change and i was like okay i'm just going to make sure that this hits exactly the number 300 so we opened it up i wrote a check to get us there sent it to him by the time the check got there there was an additional fifteen hundred dollars in there nice and that made me very very happy because the videos that we've made have continued to point people towards this and even months after having made them people from literally all around the world because now our foreign language channels have done the keanu reeves video that pointed to charity water yeah. there's these russian people with russian comments that i can't even realize who are who are sending money yeah. i thought that was super cool and i would like to keep it open they always try to shut so these things. i have been working with charity water because they their system is such that they cannot send the funds to get oh, the well until they close the campaign. Really? It seems like a very silly system. Just go, guys, the first 300,000 has already been sent. Yeah. But so what I'm working, they were like, yeah, we can't this and that. And so I said, can you please ask your dev team to create a pop-up that says this campaign is closed, but you can go here to donate for a similar cause. Because they, they're not equipped for recurring traffic. Normally people do birthday fundraisers. And, it's over. and you go, my birthday's in August. And by December, no one's giving me birthday yeah, yeah, presents. Yeah. So you can just shut it. And so I wrote them. I was like, hey, this is going to keep getting traffic. Can we come up with some system? And so hopefully there'll be a way for people to keep giving. Pop-up isn't as good. I know. I said, can you leave it open? Pop-up ain't going to work. They can't send the money unless we close the campaign. More. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's fine. I told them to close it and send the money. Okay. Fine. Uh, That's a bummer. I know. It's a silly system. Yeah. Maybe we could just open a new one after they send it. Start a new campaign. Cool. We'll do that. That's that's neither here nor there for the podcast. What else do we have? Uh, so the next one is about how there was a volcano eruption on White Island off of New Zealand last Monday. Um, so I don't know what like the evacuation procedure is for a volcano. <laughs> Me <but> neither. <laughs> yeah, I guess a lot of people need skin now. So New Zealand just issued an order for 1,292 square feet of skin, which is, after doing the math, roughly... 61 and a half very large humans for skin grafts define put in an order for like they just put a call out i think they have like people can't donate skin skin, can they skin grafts yeah so i guess the the procedure is that you go in and then they take like a thin film off like the top layer of your skin no way yeah jesus we need stem cells so wait so i would go in way bad they would skin me with keeping some of my skin intact i assume i would just be very raw and red for a week or so and then they attach some of my skin to another person i believe it doesn't even go as deep as to like create like like a wound they just take off like a very thin yeah the epidermis is seven layers if i remember third grade correctly or whatever yeah and so you're saying they just take the top two and leave me with five maybe not even the top two they said it was like super that's crazy like filmy (laughs) but I don't know what to do with this. (laughs) Uh, I mean, can we please? 
this is gonna be controversial can we start using placenta for stem cells please is that that controversial yeah people really don't like that idea for some reason we well, placenta people are born and we take the placenta and we throw it in an incinerator and it is the most densely useful stem cells that there are mm -hmm. i don't know why i think it's something about religious text says not to people get very upset when you suggest this or some people do but yeah like healthy babies get born placenta is part of the birthing process it is stem cell rich and we throw it into incinerators mm. and i feel like that's what we should be sending to new zealand yeah i don't know rather than asking for volunteers to be skinned which is god god bless you if you volunteer for that it sounds scary but maybe it's less intensive than i'm thinking i think it's cool if anyone decides to do that to save burn victims i but... just keep thinking ramsey bolton man I'm thinking of... yeah yeah <laughs> it seems like man. we just take this garbage that we're yeah. throwing into fires and we send it to burn victims instead yeah i don't i don't know anything about what it would take to to do the stem cell stuff but peter diamandis did seem to think that we were very close to big stem cell breakthroughs so well, the hardest part is harvesting them if you have an injury right now in the u.s i think the only way you can do it is you take your own bone marrow which uh, is a very invasive and painful process so if you're an athlete and you want stem cells in the u.s they go into the middle of your bone and they pull out your marrow and they put it other places that's why most athletes go overseas go to like Panama, because there's I know. other there's other ways to get stem cells got it but the last time i checked when i had a back injury that's the only way to do it in the u.s Interesting. I'd have to learn more about it before I could say anything. But. Yeah, which I did not want to do. I just decided to rehab my back. Makes sense. But if you could just use placenta. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Cool. What else? Uh, the last one is about how air conditioners are ruining the planet. Mm -hmm. um, so 10% of the planet's electricity consumption comes from ACs AC. right now. Yeah. Um, and basically the projection is that right now we have 1.2 billion ACs. Um, and then by 2050, it's going to soar to 4.5 billion. Wow. And because it's going to make the world warmer, we need more ACs to make certain places more habitable for life. <laughs> Sorry, so, the, the air conditioners make the world warmer because they I consume mean, energy? Yeah, because they consume so much energy, it's contributing to global warming. So which because turn... it's fossil fuel energy, though. Yes. Yep. Seems like you should be able to solar panel and a air conditioner because the only time you would ever need air conditioning is when it's <laughs> hot out right this is like the one thing it's oh well what about when the sun sets you're good yeah you don't sweat it open a window at that point i don't know interesting and so they're saying that the explosion of these air conditioners is going to be a huge cause of yeah it's just like the cycle of like contributing more to the problem and then we buy we like you know manufacture more acs to to combat the heat and then maybe i'm too optimistic in science but i don't think this will be what takes us down because this does seem like a very solar powered uh potential yeah, so solution the the article said the article said that um the design of the ac hasn't actually changed much since the inception of it so they're they're putting this call out there's like a million dollar prize for like the next person who can redesign like an eco-friendly ac yeah we'll get this this is I'm, I'm going non-issue on this i'm betting non-issue I have no idea. <laughs> Better non-issue. I can't chime in. All right, we got questions? I'll yep. put my rep on the line, dude. Air conditioning is not what takes the human race down. We'll be safe. What we got? Okay, so E. Hughes is the first guy. He says, I have friends who I've known for 15 plus years who are very different to myself from taking different routes in education and therefore approaching problems with different mindsets. However, when I look at the more recent friendships, we all seem to have much more similar interests and ideologies. 
Have I been subconsciously filtering different people out of my life? It makes me wonder whether I'm missing out on a lot of fun and interesting conversations and friendships because of my own prejudice. Mm. Do you put any energy into developing friendships with people who do not create a good first impression? That's a, it's a great question. Yeah. Very nuanced. Very, very. Well, there's layers to it. Yes. So the first part that happened to me too. All my friends are, are still in finance because I, I was on a track where you go to University of Pennsylvania, you go to investment banking, you go to private equity, and then I went to Brazil. So as you can imagine, everyone else stayed in New York, married, got pregnant. Now they have children and they work at hedge funds. So I feel you on the first part, but I do think you can still stay friends with those people, even yeah. while they live incredibly different lives. I was actually just texting my buddy, Austin. We're going to plan a trip. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think that just because people are living different lives than you means that you have to fall out of friendship necessarily. Yeah. Well, what what does happen there but you said there's a process of changing who you surround yourself with that that you guys see each other what once a year now yeah that's geographic more than anything yeah, yeah. i chose to leave new york that mm -hmm. immediately puts pressure on any friendships with people in new york sure sure and if you change your job and you're not next to the same people mm -hmm. i think i think for better and worse i'm sure in some ways the decisions that you make close off other doors in your life yeah yeah and then you surround yourself with people who have chosen to close off those other yeah. doors which means they naturally believe similar things to you and i think a lot of people deal with this so i think it's a great question yeah so so that's the first part of the question is have you subconsciously been filtering not necessarily you might have just been making decisions mm -hmm. that put you in particular places that surround you with like-minded people who made similar decisions to be where you are yeah if i'm from the middle of nowhere pennsylvania mm -hmm. which is super republican area and then i go to stanford and then go to san francisco for a job mm -hmm. i won't have to have subconsciously filtered out people mm -hmm. i will be in a city with a bunch of tech liberals mm -hmm. and it won't be because i'm biased against the conservative people i grew up with it'll just be because that's i made two decisions stanford yeah. and then tech and that mm -hmm. did all the filtering for me mm -hmm. so yeah i don't think it necessarily indicates a subconscious bias so that's the one thing but then the second i guess there's even a question that's not in there which is should you seek out people who have differing opinions to yourself mm -hmm. I would love to talk with more people i'm like we got to do this calling thing justin we're going to figure out how to find that sheet were you able to pull it up no, Did, I think we'll get you the sheet. Right. So we have, so we'll uh, we'll get no. you the sheet. We we're, we don't know the access to it. We'll figure it Ivan. out. Ivan, Ivan is the answer. If you guys want to write in, and especially if you disagree with us, let's do it because I don't I don't unfortunately have the opportunity to talk with enough people that think differently. Mm -hmm. I I only can view them on the internet, and there's no opportunity for a dialogue, which can be a bummer. So. If you want to, and you think differently than Ben and I do, here's your chance right in. No, to your question of do I purposefully, I don't purposely filter out people with different opinions necessarily. I'm not trying to avoid people who feel differently about certain things. I do, which is part of your question, probably filter out people who make a bad first impression. Totally. And I think that that is just human. That's why we teach it. That's why we think it's so important. I think it's tough to assume that everyone that makes a bad first impression has a gem of best friendship in them is going to lead you to a lot of conversations that aren't good with a lot of people. And yeah. then you see them again and it's still not good. So you might find a diamond in the rough. In fact, at some point you definitely would, but that's, that would be a bold filtering process that I would not personally Advice. tell someone they have to do. Mm -hmm. Cause let's say you have 20 interactions and they're all bad and one's good. Well, you hang out with that one person again. It's very likely to be a pleasant interaction as well. To try to find the diamond in the other 19, you're probably going to have somewhere between 18 and 19 <laughs> bad second yeah. conversations. 
So I, I think it's just, that would take a lot of time. And that's a very precious resource, yeah. spending it with people you don't like, hoping that you'll grow to like them. Mm -hmm. And you might. And that's the thing. You are going to miss out on that. But that's that's why making a good first impression is so important. Yeah. And if there is one thing you could do, it's, it's uh, to broaden your capacity to connect with different kinds of people. So if you find that you're never able to connect with an introvert because you're just blaringly loud all the time, mm -hmm. uh, adding the skill of being able to slow down, see who in a conversation isn't speaking, ask a question, you know, you know give them some breathing room to mm -hmm. make a good impression can be a good thing. But I would agree with you in that it's just impractical to, yeah. to, to make space for everybody who doesn't make a good impression in your life. Yeah. I would allow yourself to befriend people who you get along with who happen to say things you disagree with. So if you are an atheist and you find someone who is a theist, don't make that be an instant friendship ender. If you're a theist and you meet an atheist, I would say, yeah, that's a great idea. You meet someone, you get along great, but you find out this one thing about them have a dialogue about it instead of filtering them away. Sure, that sounds great. But mm -hmm. yeah, you can't do it for everyone that has a bad first impression. And it sounds like you're doing this. The last thing is uh, no need to be judgmental of the people with whom you don't hit it off with. Mm -hmm. That you don't need to say, oh, those are the bad people and the ones that I like are the good people. You can just say, those are the people with whom I didn't Im immediately connect and match, but I remain uncertain as to their character yeah. because I don't know them very well. They're not bad people. <laughs> yeah. All right, what else? Next one is from Zach Verhoff. He Verhoff. says, I have hit a family-based roadblock. I'm 18, living with my parents and working a lot. The issue is whenever I bring up being suffocated by them or wanting to move out soon, my mom gets really emotional and shuts down any dialogue. I love my parents and I don't want to hurt my mom, but I can feel myself becoming a little resentful and like to discuss these things sooner rather than later. So I would like advice on how I can speak honestly without hurting those around me. Okay, so do you do you want to start or? Yeah, I mean, I have a thought. It's tough. You, the, I think honesty is going to be your salvation here, but that doesn't guarantee every conversation is going to go well. Yeah. So that sounds like the question is, how do I be honest without upsetting my mom? You might have to pick, and I would pick honest, mm -hmm. but your mom will have to come around. Now, there's two, there's packaging honesty in the way that is most empathetic to the other person where you acknowledge their feelings and you start the conversation and say, Hey mom, I know you love me. I love you too. I know this is a tough conversation to have, but I think it's really important for the future of our relationship. Blah, 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 blah. blah. I sense myself resenting you. Right. Versus just being like, you suck and I'm starting <laughs> to hate you and I got to move out. Right. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. by the way, based on how thoughtful this question is, I don't think this person would do, but I'm just saying there's more to it than just speaking your truth. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you don't get to be honest and have no friction yeah and i would go honest so that's my high level so a good thing to you know the the definition of insanity being doing the same thing over and over again what you'll often find is with particular with every individual in your life you have environments in which you converse in ways in which you talk so maybe every time you speak to your mom it's at the dinner table in front of the family with a particular tone of voice after a ritual of how was your day ask yourself what mode of conversation would be incredibly foreign and for instance, that might be like while she's hanging out in the house and when you would normally be doing homework or video games or something, say, come down, hey, mom, uh, we haven't had a chance to talk. Do you have a few minutes? Yeah, like, or take a walk with her. Yes, or take a walk. That's a great example. Something that would be so different. Yeah. And what that does is it pulls people out of autopilot and it brings this this heightened awareness and consciousness of like what's going to happen. Okay. And 
it allows sometimes, it's assuming that you're not like, here's a gun, mom, I'm going <laughs> to, no, it's not that different. It's a calm different. Mm-hmm. It allows people to not react in the fight or flight way and mm-hmm. instead to to not have conditioned patterns of reaction and to be a bit more authentic, spontaneous to the situation. Yeah. And since it sounds like you guys have a good relationship, at the risk of repeating my ketamine breakthrough from last week, <laughs> come from love. And what I mean by that is recognize your mom's position as well, yeah. which is that she loves you very much, it sounds like. And even if she doesn't present it in this way, afraid to lose the you. idea of you yeah. being not in her home hurts her or scares her or she's mm-hmm. afraid that you won't be as close or something, right? She's doing it because that that scares her of, of mm-hmm. some kind. So I think te- recognizing that and saying, hey, listen, I wanted to talk to you this and that. I understand that this scares you. Or I understand that this makes you nervous. And, and if you're she worried says about no, our relationship. let her put it in her own words, right? Sure. If she says, no, yeah. I'm not afraid. It's okay. okay so what, what is are it? you? Yeah, what is it? Explain <laughs> to me. That's actually a very good point too. Oftentimes what I like to do if people and I aren't on the same page is I try to figure out why so you can address their mm-hmm. concerns. You know, because maybe, maybe you think it's one thing, but she actually just thinks you don't make enough money. Maybe she's the kind <laughs> of mother who's really nervous about your financial security. Yeah. And so addressing that will make her more comfortable with it so yeah i think if you can figure out take her to a safe place and a different place break her out of the standard mode try to be empathetic to her position and then try to figure out what about it makes her uncomfortable mm-hmm. i think that's your best bet at being successful but yeah i think you nailed it the idea of staying for her sake is just going to make your relationship terrible yeah she's she's going to constantly live with the fear that you'll leave and also at some level she'll know that she's not doing good by you and that's going to bother her so also i don't want this to invalidate everything we just said i do think you should do it in the best (laughs) way possible but a lot of times once you rip the band-aid off these things are non-issues so try to handle it as well as possible but i actually think were you just to pack all your stuff up move in the middle of the night have a new place you're 18 they can't stop you your relationship would probably be fine in like a month or a week or whatever it is so i'm not i'm not encouraging that that, but i'm just saying (laughs) i'm just saying we a lot of times there's a lot of fear around something and then once it happens it's oh she'll survive i survived it she'll cry the yeah. first day that you're gone and then you'll be out and you'll call her and she'll realize that it's you're when still any kid goes life. to college yeah. and you know your mom cries when you leave but then it's just fine you call her in a weekend sure you'll do good i believe in you it's a good question. what else next up is from scott r he has a short question um do either of you have any favorite quotes from a charisma book you've read that have moved you? From sure, a charisma book that I've read? Maybe just I got, a, I got a bunch. Uh, well, why don't you start then? No one wins an argument. That was a life-changing quote for me. Mm-hmm. That's Dale Carnegie. I really liked to try to show off my intellect by arguing about things and then besting people. Mm-hmm. And doesn't make anyone like you. It doesn't make the audience like you. It doesn't make the person you're bickering with like you so mm-hmm. that was a big one for me i like that a lot no one wins an argument interesting what else because <laughs> i don't have to. sure this one's by it's not charisma related it's in the four-hour work week but it's actually from machiavelli's the prince and it is um make mistakes of ambition and not mistakes of sloth develop the strength to do bold things and not the strength to suffer and that for me hit me at a point in my life where i was working a job i didn't like but is a good job dating someone who is amazing, but I didn't think was right for me. And I was getting very good at just dealing with it, going, I don't want to be in this relationship, but I'll make the best of it. I don't want to be at this job, but I'll make the best of it. And, I, and when I read that quote, I went, wow, I am uh, I am developing the strength to suffer in a you know, tr- dramatic way, which is to yeah. say I'm getting good at being happy despite not liking the decisions I'm making. 
And the quote really inspired me to go, you know what, let's, let's screw up by chasing what we actually want. Mm-hmm. Instead of being afraid that I'll die alone if I end this relationship, let's try to actually get the relationship we want. And instead of being scared that I will starve to death if I actually pursued my dream business, let's let's do it. Let's not get really good at sleeping under the desk and, and yeah. having fun in a cubicle. So yeah, that was a life-changing quote for me. I'm trying to think. I don't know that they're charisma related. I actually have a document in my Google Drive that is just all the quotes that I've liked over the various years, and some of them mm. I'm sure have stuck with me. The one that comes to mind as being charisma related, it's Mark Twain, and I don't know if it was a character to another character, but it starts with, son, always be honest. That way you'll never have to remember what you said last time. Yeah, yeah, I love that one. <laughs> I love that quote. I really like it because honesty is often presented as the moral choice. Do it because it's right, but really it's going to hurt you. Yeah, disadvantageous, but the right thing but to right do. But the right thing to do. And that made me recognize that it's this it's the smart thing from a selfish perspective yeah, i've it's, seen that in my own life too. oh my gosh what a cognitive way to not have to manage the the lies that you're telling and your, your life gets better when yeah. you when you tell your employers that you're gonna leave because you want to start a business yeah they don't hate you for it they actually go what business or when mm-hmm. you're in the dating world and you tell people oh I, this is the kind of relationship i want it's the only way that you get the kind of relationship yeah. that you want so mm-hmm. yeah funny enough honesty is the best policy because it's Moral, but also because it's what gets you the life you actually want. Totally. And yeah. I've talked about this in, in Charisma on Command videos, but I think the best analogy for honesty, if you're not yet convinced, is being honest is like paying in cash and telling lies is like paying in credit with a very high interest rate. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and what ultimately happens is that when when somebody is lied, 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 and they have to, they're confronted with the truth. They go, oh man, telling the truth sucks. This is going to suck so bad. It's like, no, this is a result of you having gone out on credit and now you're paying it back with interest. Like this, this was a result of the lie, not of telling the truth. Had you told the truth, you would have had a small, uncomfortable conversation. But, and even, I don't, I'm not saying that you've done this poorly, but, uh, there's been some level of communication breakdown with that earlier question from the 18-year-old who's living at home. And it's like these conversations had sooner, and maybe you are even are having it sooner, are better than if you were 22 and now you've got four years of interest on the lie that you've been telling your mom that you want to live at home forever, <laughs> right? So that that's just another thing to consider is even we often associate pain with telling the truth. And really that's, that's the lie disguising itself. I like it. Uh, I have a ton other, but they're not, they're not charisma. No, it's fine. Give us one more. All models are wrong, but some are useful, I think is one of my favorites. Interesting. Uh, so I will teach you guys the four emotions to, uh, to make a great first impression. You will learn the spiral dynamic, uh, way of understanding humans. You'll, uh, you'll learn formulas and all these kinds of things to try to understand the world. The first part of the quote, all models are wrong, says that, you cannot possibly simplify the complexity of reality mm-hmm. into a single statement. And that's true, right? Do these four emotions work guaranteed? Every person who has ever lived all the way throughout history without a modicum of, no, there's, there's going to be slight, <laughs> there's slight adjustments. Nah. Now, the question is, is it useful? And the answer is, yes, it's incredibly useful because these work almost every time. And quite frankly, if you go out and do it, you're going to see, and it feels like it works every time. But to boil human interaction down into any sentence is necessarily to cut out some nuance. Be, I mean, uh, infinite nuance, quite frankly, but it just might not be pertinent to your goal. Mm. 
so that's what I often think. Some like and and when I get locked into any sort of ideological thinking of this is how it ought to be done and this this principle needs to apply, I try to remember like this is just a tool. And when the tool stops working, drop it and pay attention to reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if there's ever a transformation and those four emotions no longer create first impressions. I will not stay attached to those four emotions. I will rebuild a new model based on reality. Up to now, they seem to they seem to do just fine. Nice. Cool. That's it for me. Any other thoughts or questions? That it? Yep. That's it. Yep. Boom. All right, cool. Thanks to our sponsor Charisma University. <laughs> if you guys made it to the end and you want to check out the course, 30-day action guide, 20 minutes a day, max out your charisma, you can do it at charismaoncommand.com/university. Anything else you'd like to say? No, thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you guys. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.